0: Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Yakmos Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, Eternal Hammer. I'm joined by regular co-hosts Zach and George. And uh, this week we have special guest Dennis, uh, a.k.a. uh, No One, or a.k.a. Menace13 from the Classic Quarterboards. So, say hello, Dennis. Hello, Dennis. (laughs) Cool, cool. Um, So, Classic is like a phoenix from the flame and managed to fire an event this week. Um, we did some calculations before the podcast. It's been 27 long, dry days since the daily event fired. So we're going to bring you the, the deck lists, the break-up of the field, talk about what's changed in the last month, other than people getting uh, stagnated with Classic not firing. Uh, we've got a few other things on the agenda this week. Um, Dennis is going to talk about a few uh, old brews that he thinks could, uh, could see some life in, in, in Classic, um, some decks that he's played around with a few months ago, and it's is, is interesting, kind of bringing them to the community. We'll um, say well, look at the event. Um, there's a couple of new um, articles um, up on Pure MTGO, which are classic-related. That's um, so, Drafting with, with a Hick and uh, Penguin TV. And we'll also talk about um, the leak of the new Phyrexia spoiler from, from what uh, Wizard said's uh, HQ. So um, starting off, I say the event fired yesterday... Uh, unfortunately for our co-host, George, he was uh, otherwise engaged. But, George, do you want to lead us into the, into the event?
1: Yeah, so um, yesterday I was at a wedding, and it was one of my good buddies, totally worth missing a classic event. Um, but it fired with 17 people, which means that not only was it on time, uh, the one person, Danger Linto, who joined to make sure that it would fire, he didn't actually need to. Um, but firing on time is huge because usually the classic events go about fifteen or twenty minutes before they fire. Uh we had seventeen players and uh coming in first at four oh was a dredge deck uh with he was the only dredge deck in the field and he, he uh took down the event. Um, from the classic quarter forums, he said that he only played against one or two pieces of hate, maybe three And he had the cards to beat them in uh, the post-board games throughout the event. Uh, Dennis, you are probably the most successful Classic Dredge player. What do you think of this list?
2: Um, I think it's fine. It's really explosive, and it's better in the mirror due to the 8-draw spells.
0: So with with, um, Bazaar of Baghdad in in the format, is is there no need to go with the more risky Lion's Eye Diamond builds?
2: Um, I like the Lion's Eye Diamonds because people like to play combo a lot. Like, you know, Oath is a combo deck, it's not really a control deck and you know, Various Storm. But now with um so much shops it just gets harder to run that list.
3: Yeah, I mean as far as that list goes, it kinda of surprises me that the um the breakthrough and the careful stu- the careful studies are so important because I mean, every time I've played a list like this, I always just try to go for Bazaar, blue land or not. Is that just something you you typically draw off a of Bazaar or how do you how do you how do you go about that business?
2: Well, I like the list without any of the draw spells and you're forced to multibazaar Bazaar for that one because it's so reliant on it. uh These lists aren't so reliant on it because of breakthrough Coliseum and careful study. They can just set up you know a discard. You know, dredge a troll and their whole hand is active after that whether they have a breakthrough or a Coliseum.
3: Yeah, the thing that like stands out to me here is this one's also running the four serum powders which is like hey I'm going to get a bazaar but it's also running the eight draw spells so it's kind of like a uh, uh, a little bit of a, uh, I don't know fighting against itself and what it wants to do Dude, what do you think about the four serum powders in this build
2: oh, I think it's good it also helps them hit the ley lines
3: True, yeah, he is running the uh, ley lines on the sideboard. Um see three blood gas, two Icared and then the normal cyclers. What do you, what do you guys think about this one, uh Andy?
0: Well I guess uh interestingly there's three Nature's Claim main deck and uh uh, that has to be a nod to the the prevalent deck in the format at the moment um, mine Break trap in the sideboard is interesting as a three of I, I guess he 's thinking along the lines of well, the only deck that could possibly race me here is is going to be storm combo or or something like with his new um, brew that we talked about last time out, the show and tell bargain um, with the storm engine in the background there, so I guess he 's just saying to the field look i 'm the fastest i 've got my serum powders. I can find my combo i can." Um, activate my graveyard and, and, and go nuts quicker than anyone else, um, with the exception of Storm, and I'll get that covered by the by the sideboard slots there. Um, so yeah, um, pretty sort of typical care. Uh, I'm not really surprised to see see Dredge um, back. I think we've talked in in a few podcasts recently that but um, the, 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 stu- the, the, the Dredge hate, the Graveyard hate, is on the decline, and that some of the Workshop decks have removed the Leyline of the Void, so it seemed like a good window uh, of opportunity here for Dredge to come back in and go 4-0. Um, so, yeah, um, solid build, and um, chalk another one up to the Dredge.
1: Um, so that brings us into the next deck, which, surprisingly enough, is Merfolk. Unsurprisingly, he lost to Dredge with only... Three relic of progenitors in his sideboard. And, and the format script.
0: That would seem like a pretty rough matchup with that kind of level of hate. So, I mean, I, I really thought Merfolk was on the decline and uh, didn't think there was a strong enough creature package with, with everything else to kind of fight in the format. So, um, in, interesting to see it back in all its glory. What do you make of this, Dennis?
2: I'm not a fan of Merfolk and Classic, but. Um I, I guess the Stifles are extra added effect against
1: Oath and Storm decks. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan either, because this deck can't really... It can't uh, beat a resolved Oath. It can slow it down, but... I don't know, it just seems like bad times against anything but Storm. You know,
3: one of the few things I really do like about Merfolk is that they run the four main deck Stifles, and I think in Classic that's pretty... It's a pretty good spell. I think it's highly underrated. But when you're running the cards like Coral Helm, Commander, and Lord of Atlantis and Classic, I don't think that's usually a good thing. Um, so, Temptation's cool. Main deck, I mean, that's an out to uh, non-good game oath, typically. but Because um, that's a one-for-one one trade. Or, excuse me, that's a zero-for-one, so it's not really an out. But it's, it's, it's a good stalling tactic, and usually they run islands. So, um, But I agree with you guys. I don't think, in general, it's a very good uh, deck for the format.
0: I, I don't particularly like Days in the format either.
3: Yeah, I really don't like Days. I, think- I mean, there's
0: so much manner Artifact Acceleration that Days just is going to miss so many times. I would, I'd rather see four main deck and null.
1: Yeah. I, I think that the deck uh, value gains tremendously from uh, not being tribal and branching into at least one other color, if not two.
0: So, but he still went 3-1, and, one and uh, Angel of Righteousness has been playing shop decks up until now. So um, a sort of departure from the norm there, and uh, going back to old roots of, uh, of Merfolk. But yeah, I'm not surprised it lost the finals to Dredge there.
3: Yeah. Well, so, um, next yeah. deck, what we got there?
0: Um, Sar- Sarbasha, um, he's running a um, shop deck with, with four metal worker. I guess that's the, uh, the take-home message. We've not had many events fired since the release of Versus Destiny. People have been going nuts in clients for this card, paying, uh, I believe, sort of 26 to 27 tickets is the current retail on, on Metal Workers. So if, if you are interested in building this kind of deck, that's a uh, 100-ticket investment on, on that little card alone. Um, so it's, it's kind of good that people that have splashed that cash are uh, starting to recover some of it by money in with, the, with the daily events. Um, a pretty typical storm deck in, in some res- uh, sorry um, pretty typical um, shop deck in some respects with the, the sphere effects and uh, the, the big beaters and it 's running, uh, running three voltaic keys to try and uh, get an early time vault lockdown down as well so um, Dennis, uh, anything innovative is jumping out at you here? No, but I do like the forge
2: masters they 're really good in almost every matchup.
1: Yeah, basically, um, this is the Forge Forgemaster version, but instead of running the Leyline of the Void and Helm of Obedience, you've got Metalworker, who, I mean, by the time this goes up, uh, the next Penguin TV should be up, and it's a Metalworker mud deck. And as you guys will see in those videos, like, Metalworker is just disgusting. And he's actually 30 tickets right now, not 26.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a card that enables some plays that just really aren't enabled otherwise. Um, mm. One of the matches so d- I played against George and he showed like what eight artifact cards and sixteen mana, or was it six and twelve? It
1: was it was six and twelve.
3: All right, that, that's a lot of that's a lot of mana for just having cards in your hand. Um, Metalworker seems like it's going to make a difference on the scene, but we'll see how much as time goes by. One event is kind of like a drop in the bucket.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to steal the thunder from the next uh, Penguin TV, but do, do you think Metalworker is, is enough to push, push shop decks over the top? And uh, do, do you think that in, in an environment where we lack the Power 9, we lack the jewelry, the fast manner of acceleration of the, of the Moxes, that we, we, we could potentially start to see one of the sphere effects getting uh, restricted in
1: Classic? No, not even a little bit. Um, Metalworker is definitely busted, but... The best play with Metalworker is Turn 1, Metalworker, which means that you're not resolving a Sphere, which means that you are opening the window for them to beat you on their turn. Um, Uh, You you slam that window shut once you untap, but you still leave it there for them.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would personally say the best play is probably Turn 1, Mana Crypt, Turn 1, Workshop, then Metalworker, then Sphere, but I get your drift.
1: Um, it's, Metalworkers is a really good card, and it will definitely help shops, uh, gain a little bit of that percentage back from the fish matchup, but the fact is, the deck is still the same deck. If you want to beat it, and you dedicate your deck to beating it, you should be able to. hmm Um, uh, so speaking, speaking of fish... The, uh, the next list is Timmons, with his four-color fish special. Oh, Timmons is back. Timmons is back. Uh, he actually didn't go anywhere. Me and him would be sitting in almost every event that failed to fire this month.
0: So we've, uh, we've seen the gilded Drake tech before, coming in from the sideboard, but this time um, the, the, the Drake is joined by the, the cold-eyed Selkie. Has that been in the, in the sideboard before, George? And um, which matchups is that coming in for?
1: Yeah, that was. I think this is pretty close to the last list he uh, placed with um, in the last event that he played. Uh, the four color fish. The only thing that's different, I believe, is the main deck bayou. Um, the cold-eyed selkies are good against the oath decks and the Jace Raider decks. You
3: know, again, this is another deck running days, so you gotta like uh- that hammer.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel that days is quite weak in the format. Um, I think there are other better spells that we can, we can have in in the deck. But I mean, you know, that's just my opinion. I'd rather put those uh, two of those annals in the main deck in the current environment.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Dennis, you have any input on the fish deck? Or you like it? Or you dislike it? Or what you feel?
2: Yeah, it's fine. Fish decks are alright. They're really good against Shops, and they can have some game against Oath. But I really don't like fish decks at all. They don't showcase what Classic is about, and it's just a lot of busted, broken plays with Gush and, you know, Yogg's Will, Shops, or Bazaars, Oaths. This doesn't fall into any of those categories. Yeah. No tanker. Nothing. Nothing exciting.
3: Yeah, there's one restricted card in this deck, and that is Stripmine, so... Agreed. Um, next up, th- this week it's pretty cool. I kind of like that it came back, and there's a ton of variation in these top lists because the next one is another major archetype with a really, you know, solid player. Prolepsis 9, uh, 3-1, with uh, Good Game Oath build. And to me, this looks really similar to uh, Vicky or, uh, excuse me, Wizard Not of the Coast's uh, list. It's running the One Dragon's Breath, the Show and Tell, um, the only two creatures are Blightsteel and Emrakul. It is running only two Wastelands, but again, you know, a solid player with a solid deck. Um, any thoughts on this one, guys?
0: Well, talking um, of a solid player, this uh, this player won the Mox last month, so a uh, huge pedigree there.
1: Yeah. Well, he not only did he win the Mox last month, but he qualified for Nationals in the exact same day.
0: That must have been one, <laughs> a really long
1: day for him, then. How many rounds of magic was that? I believe it was 9 and 10? Wow, you so nine- keep your concentration for 19 rounds in one day.
3: That's nuts,
1: nuts. And up on Star City Games. Wow. But Insane. Uh, oh, well. Yeah, the, I mean, we said it before with Catweasel's deck. The show and tell should probably be in the sideboard.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've kind of had the debate back and forth on this. I, I see where you're coming from, and then I see that this one's running the mystical tutor in the tutor suite. So if you have one of those guys in your hands, it's pretty nice to get that show and tell and just have an alt win. But for the most part, I, I, I think uh, I, 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 I'll say it could go either way. So I won't say one way or the other.
1: All right, and uh, that brings up the last deck that placed in the event, which is a vile fish deck. Pretty, pretty similar to Timmins' deck, except that it runs Aether Vile instead of the extra Birds of Paradises. And... And it, it misses Stutters. Dark Confidant as well. It, and it is missing Dark Confidant, which is, I think, the best part of the fish deck.
3: Yeah, I gotta admit, I'm kind of surprised that... Um He's running a card that I think Timmons should be running, and that is, uh. Well, I mean, I say think should be running. I, 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 if I were going to play in an event, I'd expect a little bit of Storm in the metagame, and I really <coughs> like the Leyline of Sanctity in that build. Um. I think it's pretty solid in the sideboard. Probably. I don't really know if I'd play, uh. I guess I might play Gilded Drake a little bit more than I would that card, just because that's kind of for one archetype. Um.
1: And Gilded Drake is good against blue.
3: Yeah, Gilded Drake is pretty good against just general blue. Not only that, I think Gilded Drake can be good against uh, decks like Shop. So.
1: Oh uh, yeah, sure. You can you can steal their steel Hellkites.
3: Yeah, it's 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 a solid game plan. So I don't know. I think that's uh, it's kind of the end of the 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 decks here, and I don't think this one is too different from the others. Besides, you know, halfing on the Stifle and running an Aether Vial and no Dark Confidant, so. Uh, kind of an interesting event well, here with the top decks. What, what about the roundup there, guys? What were the other ones?
2: I don't like the Aetheral in the fish list because I don't think it's needed right now. Like, um, you know, against Chops, you can just run, like what Timmons is doing, more mana creatures or just more creatures in general. You don't really need the Aether Aetheral was good when, you know, there was a lot of... <laughs> merfolk and you want to cheat out a mystic and still play a spells or get around oath with mana drains. Yeah. But that's not so much of a problem right now as shops are, and you don't really need to file against shops. You just cast your guys normally with noble and land.
1: Yeah, and I think that the results will echo your sentiment. When you look at uh, all the different fish archetypes, Timmons is by far the uh, best-performing.
3: Yeah, and I'll say, too, a lot of these decks run some sort of Artifact Destruction, and that's his only target for said Artifact Destruction. So it's kind of like a lose-lose in that situation, too.
1: Yeah. Um, so rounding it out, the people who joined the event but did not, you know, get any prizes, we had an Oath player who went 2-2, two and two, um, a Show-and-Tell Storm player, and I didn't actually... Ca- uh, Catalog this event, because uh, I was away, and I just want to say thanks to the classic community. I got, I think, four PMs in between Classic Quarter and the client saying that people had picked up the metagame for me, and that is fantastic. Thank you, guys. Um, but we had a show-and-tell Storm Player, and I'm kind of curious if it was my list since the uh, Penguin TV came out last week, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and a month ago when uh, we realized that bargain wouldn't be restricted so two and two seems pretty good especially from a player energizer who I've never seen in the format before um, we had a metalworker shop deck that went two and two we had a world gorger dragon slash reanimator deck kick it old school. Yeah, he went 1-3, and, and this is, again, another player I've never seen, Rick Carnize. Um, we had Upside Down Socks, who is the third player I've never seen, playing a affinity deck with a weird Genesis Chamber com- uh, combo engine to, I guess, crank out a whole bunch of one ones and sacrifice them to Ravager. Uh, we had the Black-Red-White Anti-Aggro Fish deck run by Scorpio, who didn't do so well. Uh, Blazelix did not do so well with a green-white hate deck. And then a fourth player that we've never seen, Embar underscore Donnie, playing a Hypergenesis uh, Oath variant, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Danger Linto joined and dropped. Unfortunately, he didn't need to. And... Then the only guys not to win around were, Kelvin, uh, were uh, a Chalice Shop deck and an Oath deck.
0: Well, I, I think that's great that there's four people that have turned out to this event that have previously been off the radar. It shows that there are people interested in Classic, and what we really need now to get, get regular events firing is, is New Blood, so uh, that's great. And uh, interestingly, I mean, Energizer, if, if he is new to the format, man, what a deck to jump in with. That's not a cheap cheap deck at all with the, the if assuming it's a fully powered uh, version with the, the show and tell the bargains the force of will the leads uh, i mean serious commitment there to the format so um it will be good to have a few more guys on board uh, one downside was the performance of our clan in this event um calavara going 0 and two and uh backed guts going two and two so two two players from the clan in, in the event and uh, sadly both of them not making the money and um, the the other interesting um thing is that ex um, Scorpio, a really strong player, whose um, previous black, red, white anti aggro deck has has done well. Uh, only managed to finish two and one, so maybe he just had some some odd matchups, or maybe just uh, managed to get un- uh, unlucky. Anyone else uh, have any words to say around around the um, the breakdown of the of decks in the format this week?
3: Yeah, it's it's full of variants, man. I would be so Angry if I got, like, a World Gorgor Dragon round one, Genesis Chamber round two, Black, Red, White round three, Hypergenesis round four. I mean, you can't really prepare for stuff like that. So, I mean, it's nice to see new decks in there, but it's really bad for, like, uh, standardizing results and doing decks against decks because that variance is yeah. pretty high.
0: I guess last time out we talked about the classic deck which was designed to tackle a, a specific metagame and uh, yeah, like you say, if you pitched up with that kind of deck um, in this kind of field, it'd be in for some shocks. Uh, and, and Maybe that explains uh, why some of the people that we normally see making the money didn't because they came up against something completely
1: random.
3: Yeah, that's what I'd vote on. Yeah.
1: You know, if, that, might, that might stink for the people who are building against the metagame, but it's fantastic for the format.
3: Um... If those decks do well, it's fantastic for the format. If they don't do well, it's typically considered a joke.
1: No, no. The only thing that would be a joke is if these people that were playing these new decks did not try again with a different deck. As long as they come back, then it's a success because we just got four new players to the format.
3: Oh, I agree with that. Uh, if, if, if they, the, the thing, though, is like, it all depends how much they like their experience. If they brought like a Genesis Chamber deck and they realize that people are throwing down Turn 1 Yawgmoth's bargains, that makes me think that person will probably not want to come back unless they had a great experience. Does that make sense?
1: Well, it does, but when I look at these four decks that I've never seen the players for, none of them are playing joke decks. All of the decks they're playing could theoretically be good for the format, and once they learn it, they might, you know, pick better decks or better versions of the deck.
3: All right, so let's see what happens. I mean, I kind of hope some of these events are going to fire. Um... You know, just before we move to the next thing, didn't they change something about the times of the events here to let everybody know?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, they made an announcement that they're going to standardize the Sunday time slot for at least the classic events.
3: So, guys, that means uh, Sunday they're going to come up with one time that they're going to use uh, repeatedly. And I guess I-, I think we'll really be able to make these things fire. What do you What do you think, Dennis? you think these are going to start firing again?
2: I would hope so. Yeah. I have the cards, I'd like to play them once in a
0: while and that's the only format. I think it's a great idea to standardize the time of at least one of the events. I have wondered that having so many different events on the calendar with so many of them not firing, it must kind of dilute our ability to be able to trigger them because you know one person would turn up for the 3 o'clock event on Saturday and another person for, for another event on, a, on another random time slot. So if everyone knows that there's one event which is a good, good chance of firing and this is the time of it, people can plan accordingly. And like we said before, many of the people that play Classic are people that have been in Magic for a long time, have a bit more mature, a bit more older, kind of have other family commitments. So knowing what time the events are regularly and being able to plan around that could be quite important for the um, audience of, of Classics. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll start to at least see that Sunday event firing going forward, at least outside of the release event weeks.
1: Well, years ago, when we had a standardized time slot for Saturday night and Sunday afternoon, we fired almost every single time uh, with 24 players for top eight events.
0: Absolutely. So oh, uh awesome. but we didn't so, have a stale format then.
1: Oh uh, yeah. well obviously we don't have a stale format now. We've got five different fish decks making up the top archetype for this event. Um yeah, I four was different just, I was, decks.
2: I was, I, was well, I, n- I know big.
1: I know you were having fun. Um but we've the the top of the format is what you would expect, but they're all different versions of what you would expect. And then we've got one, two, three, four, five uh Four, four different singleton copies, and one managed to win the event. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a healthy format when you look at it like that.
3: Yeah, I thought the top eight was for the... I say top eight just out of habit, but the top uh, money finishers were pretty diverse this week. I mean, I don't I don't think I would have expected uh, Oath Dredge, uh, two different shops, Merfolk, and uh, something else. I don't remember the other one. but It, it I mean, was... It was
1: three different fish builds, uh, shop, oath, and dredge. Yeah. So,
3: well, I mean, that's what, pretty what solid.
1: Be, yeah. What what packs are the keys playing out in at the moment? I believe it's Urza's Destiny.
0: Right. Okay. I'm just wondering if there was some uh, reason to entice players in to get these events to fire. I mean is there a reason why why four new people kind of turn up? Is there a good uh, EV on these events? But um, I guess if it's Destiny, that's not particularly highly valued at the moment in the client. Yeah, well, they should be
3: playing out in Urza's block, because if I'm not mistaken, they're at least in multiples of three or close to them. And uh, Urza's Saga and Urza's Legacy are worth more, I think, right now than Urza's Destiny. So it'd be nice to get all three.
1: It's possible it's Urza's block, but it's also possible that our incessant prattling has, you know, gotten these people into the events.
0: I would like to think that. I'd like to think that we're making a difference and people are enjoying the podcast and are enthused enough to kind of shuffle up some decks to come and join us.
3: Yeah.
1: So, with this uh, diverse event, I mean, Dennis, you said you wanted to talk about some decks that aren't being played that you think might. Uh, I think this is a pretty good segue. What, what are you thinking?
2: Well, gush, gush in specific. Um, whether you know you combine it with a storm engine, or you just play gush into vault. I think gush is something that's not being played as much
0: as it should be. I'm absolutely amazed that we don't have gush in the format. We've got four brainstorm, four merchant scroll, fast bond, four gush, the agnos wheel, mystical chooser. That is such a core cool, strong engine there and 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 apart from a couple of events played by blue diamonds early on gush has been completely off the radar i I guess it just gets too badly hurt by by shop decks but um there was an interesting uh, brew for for vintage on star city games recently um which was a a tropical storm uh, list with a gush and a storm kill um which i've been kind of playing a version of in classic and that's been good fun if not necessarily overly competitive but definitely agree with you dennis that, that um, there's a lot of room for um for scoping with 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 that gush bond engine when i when i mentioned it previously people have just said yeah gush bond engine is really strong but it's not as strong as unrestricted lion's eye like diamond with infernal tutor uh, as a kind of alternative engine in the environment so do, do you think that it's just just not maybe not as powerful as 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 that when when in in classic we can run four lions eye diamonds. Well, Noko has a list
2: that he I, he went like a fifth place in the premiere where he had leads gush and um, you know desire uh, time vault tinker. It was a really good deck.
3: That sounds kind of fun.
1: So um. I, I, Dennis, what do you think about maybe classic madness?
2: yeah, uh Kaggy played it twice this year, and uh after testing it a while he I saw he had a tarmaagos in the main deck, and I think it was lacking. I don't like his careful studies, and I think there could be something else, maybe more mana denial or you know anything but I don't really like the careful study
1: well
3: uh, is that is that Magna- Madness deck running uh, Lion's Eye Diamonds?
1: Um, no. The version that I saw wasn't, but I could very easily see it running Lion's Eye Diamonds.
3: Because, honestly, that's one of the cards that everybody just seems to put by the wayside on the Madness engine, because that card, that can re- enable some pretty ridiculous plays on the Madness engine, too. I mean, it also enables you to run cards that I think are better than... Uh, what you're talking about with the careful studies, you might be able to, instead of that, maybe run deep analysis or, or a good card. I mean, something that'll actually keep the cards in your hand. Um, I don't know. I think, I think Magnus could be pretty good, but I think it's a lot like counterbalance. I don't think classics the place for it. I think it's more legacy.
1: Um, all right. Um, and I mean, there's still the standing, uh, there's still the standing. Oh, fuck. What the hell is it called? There, and there's still the standing challenge of Endless Nameless for someone to win an event with four Library of Alexandria's and get yourself a free foil time ball. Yeah,
3: dang, that kind of makes me want to do it.
1: <laughs> I'm wondering how
0: long that offer's going to be around for. I, I don't know, I just think that it's a really good offer, and um, I, I just don't see anyone. Money in four 0 with, with with four libraries at the moment, and unless something really innovative comes up, which I guess is what he what he wants to achieve. So uh, yeah, neat idea, and um, we should we should continue to plug it, and hopefully someone will pick up the mantle and uh, achieve that status.
3: Definitely.
2: Also about the classic decks earlier, I think the Gush decks will be wise to have a complete sideboard of like. Eight hate cards they can bring in against shops like Brad Granberry has a vintage gush list where his whole sideboard is he brings in four ancient grudge and four ingot chewers and that's that's a lot of hate to deal with against shops and he just plays you know instead of a gush storm he just plays a slow control with
0: like eight vindicates yeah that sounds good Actually, it's kind of twelve indicates with the flashback on the uh, ancient grudges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds pretty sick. I mean, I guess you do have have to give up uh, slots against other decks, but I mean, um, you know, gosh. Although has a, has a weak matchup against uh, against shop, does have some strong matchups against other decks in the format. So, kind of maybe foregoing those slots is not a bad option. And and they say packing out with dredge hate, and you can run a couple of. Uh, Main deck options as well. I mean, um, maybe a couple of rebuilds or something like that to to give you some fight to, uh, in game one as well.
3: Yeah, that's a card I don't see anybody ever using. That I think, uh, if you're if you're kind of half expecting uh, stacks but not full all the way, rebuild's <clears throat> a cool card with the cycle option. I, I, I like the card. And I, I've never seen it once in a classic event. Have you guys?
1: Um, maybe not in an event, but it's in my show-and-tell bargain list. Oh,
3: there you
1: go. Yeah,
0: and I've, I've been playing it in, in the tournament practice room. I've got a couple of foil copies that I picked up recently, and, uh, yeah, I really like it in the main deck. Very cool. So, um, next up, we're just going to kind of... Raise awareness of uh, a couple of different article series that um, two of the co-hosts have been putting together. We've got um, a new drafting series um, by, by uh, Zach called uh, Drafting with a Hick and a new video um, article on, on Classic Decks which I urge anyone who's remotely interested in classic to, uh, to fire up and have a look at episode one was absolutely amazing. And, uh, I've seen some of the videos for, for series for, for episode two as well. So that's penguin TV by, uh, by George. Um, and we'll, we'll just hand over to them to basically have a, a little bit of free advertisement and, and plug their articles in their series. Tell us what it's about, what their audience is and where they see the series going. So we'll start with drafting with a hick.
3: All right. Well, thank you, Andy. I appreciate that. Um, Basically, I'm just putting out a fun series that, uh, you know, our, our recent discussions kind of spurred me on or, or spurred me on to uh, figure out a way to show everybody the, the way they can build their investment or build their collection up with a minimum investment and minimum risk. And that is kind of like trying to take away the stigma of Swiss drafting for a lot of the people who are, I guess, maybe uh, not rich enough or not good enough to, to run on some of the higher risk cues. Um, So really, that's kind of like the gist of it. I plan to uh, show everybody uh, a couple of tips, tricks, how-tos, a way to keep your money alive and possibly hit some uh, money hits every once in a while. So that's pretty much the gist of it. If you're interested in drafting at all, um, check it out. We'll have new episodes hopefully every week. And uh, thanks to George for uh, getting me into it. Let's talk about Um. Penguin TV.
1: Well, before we go on the Penguin TV, I just want to say that uh, the drafting with a hick, especially the Urza Saga drafts, um, they are huge because they have a really high EV, and I'm sure Zach will back me up. If you can, if you can at least win round one consistently, you're almost always ahead in value, and even even when you, you know you lose round one, there you you have like almost a one in four chance at opening something that pays for the draft.
3: Yeah, you do. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's as high as 1 and 4, but it's definitely high. Uh, just for example, I think, uh, Andy, was that you last night who opened a uh, Goblin Welder?
0: Uh, yeah, I opened a Goblin Welder in, uh, in in my Legacy Pack in that in that event. Uh, I did have another event today, which was uh, the complete polar opposite. The only money card it opened was... Um uh, the, the Prophet um, from Destiny And uh, yeah I lost round one as well So it was really rough
3: It happens I mean that's kind of like uh, the good with the bad But yeah thank you yeah. guys for that shout out I, I appreciate it and I hope uh, everybody checks it out
1: Um, So Penguin TV I was I was actually sick Of not being able to play Classic That's the main reason That I decided to you know, download Camtasia And learn how to do it but then, once I started thinking about what I would want to do with it, I think that the main goal is to, you know, show people that classic is not just turn one decks. Um, throughout the two mock daily events that I've done, um, yes, there are definitely some degenerate games, but they are the minority, and um, it, I've been trying to show people like a pretty diverse metagame as far as what. And the idea is to try and play a different deck every week. And also, at the end of it, there are a ton of legacy players right now. If we can get even a small fraction of them into classic, we wouldn't be uh having these problems firing the events. And so one of the things that I really like about it is I'm showing anyone who's interested by seeing the decks in action what they need to do to bot to uh transform some of their legacy collection into also a classic collection.
3: Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely been like one of those things that I think will really – it's kind of a neat find. It's kind of like you found a little bit of gold in a mine because I think this is one of those things that really can wa- raise the awareness of uh, classic to the general public. Um, most people aren't playing the format. They don't know what's legal. They, I guess they have preconceived notions about what happens, like you're talking about with the automatic turn one kill and the days of flash and necropotence and all that, um, I think it's a good, it's a really good thing and it's something that people should, uh, should get out and check out because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a quality series.
1: Um, so not being a member of Clan Magic Eternal and also one of the authors on the website, uh, Dennis, have you managed to see either of these other things?
2: Your other videos?
1: Um, either the Penguin TV or the Drafting with the Hick. There's only one of each out at the moment, but have you managed to catch them?
2: I've actually subscribed to your YouTube, so yeah, I've seen your videos. I haven't seen the Drafting, I'm not really into Limited too much.
1: Alright, well, outside perspective, uh, good idea or bad idea?
2: I think it's a wonderful idea that the videos are there for Classic. Mostly because most people don't really get to see the cards, the plays, the players, so I think you can get a lot of people to contribute from the community in making these videos with you, and then you have something to go over with, like the lines of play, you know, as material for the next YSO or whatnot.
1: Oh, I didn't even think about using the, uh, using YSO to, di- to dissect uh, some of this stuff. That's a good idea. Um, so I guess that'll bring us into the end of the podcast, which... Uh, recently, Wizards of the Coast announced that they found out what happened with the leak of New Phyrexia, getting the entire set weeks early, and on top of that, we know who did it, how it happened, and, uh, what the repercussions for it are. Um, have you guys managed to read this yet? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I,
3: sorry.
0: sorry, go ahead. I was gonna, uh, just, just confirm that I've read that.
3: Yeah, I, I read it, and um, it doesn't strike me as too odd that humans had a lapse in judgment. That's been happening for years. But what does strike me as odd and really kind of pisses me off in general is the fact that high-level pros have had access to these uh, card pools long before we have.
1: So that is, that is exactly what I'm upset about. Why does the reigning world champion get a month head start on the rest of the world? How is that even remotely fair? He gets, uh, he gets to start testing as he was trying to do, and he screwed up by letting the wrong people know. I mean, Guam Wapatapa is, is Guillaume Matignon's best friend in paper, but I don't, I don't think it's fair that these people have the ability to get that much of a head start. Obviously, maybe, maybe Guillaume Matignon was able to get these sets a month in advance for the last few years being, a... Uh, a regular writer for Lotus Lotus Noir, is that why he's the world champion this year?
3: I mean, not to be... uh, Or not not to leave that point in the dust here, because that's an amazing point. But the other thing, too, is... And I think someone brought this up in the Classic Quarter Forums. What if you had access to that set just for monetary reasons?
1: Oh, yeah, that, too.
3: I mean, it's ridiculous, and it just pisses me off that they would treat the community like... This is kind of like a CIA secret being revealed because it's, it's ridiculous and, and it, it, it really does piss me off to the core. Uh, it makes me just want to play limited because that's all that, you know, uh, as far as standard extended go. Um, it,
0: it's a really bad PR exercise. I mean, the the, the leak in itself was, was maybe bad for PR, but they could have spun that. I, I just really don't understand why they felt the need to go public with this apology and open up this huge can of worms about what's been happening in terms of getting these sets into the hands of players early I just I I don't understand the decision there somebody somewhere has really not thought this through when they've they've decided to kind of uh, pass the bark and say look this wasn't our fault that this leaked this was we trusted these people but they they just didn't think about what else they were saying that subliminal message that was going out to, to the community
1: yeah, I believe the reason they even made it in the first place was to show how, how terrible their wrath is. Um, Guil Matignon is gone for three years. And then Wapatapa is gone for a full year. Um, Wapatapa is a professional gamer. That's his job. And he needs to learn, he needs to learn a new trade for the next year.
3: Um, I mean, I, I agree with you. and it sucks that they need to do that. I don't really know the guys personally, so I don't, you know, I'm not one of these guys who kiss the pros grits. I don't really care. Um, pro Magic players don't make the most money. If you think they do, you're kind of in denial. Uh, they could get a job at anywhere almost and make the same amount of money. I don't think that's a big deal. But uh, I I, I want to revisit the fact that there are special people in Wizards' eyes that get these full rights to everything. It's, It's... Wizards has always been... Have you guys noticed how they've been notoriously tight-lipped about spoilers in the past? They'd shut down websites and threaten people with lawsuits. And then it comes out on the back end that they're like... Flitter-fluttering around with complete, you know, spoilers and full, you know, high-definition graphics to selected people. I mean...
1: (coughs) I mean, it doesn't doesn't surprise me that these people need cards... But why, why would you spoil the entire set to a magazine? Why wouldn't you just give them the three or four cards that they're going to get as previews?
3: Exactly. That's fair enough. Right there. Well, I, I think the full implications is the word God Book. Because the whole damn thing. You could other... speculate a little bit on one or two cards. I understand that. You could maybe make some money. But if you have all, however many cards they are, you can make a lot of money, and you can know the gauntlet, what you need to be testing for, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And it's the time frame as well. I mean, like, how much in advance does this magazine need these cards?
1: Well, I think in the world of print, it's a long time. Yeah, I would say that in the world of print, you would need to have those uh, images, or at least the cards that you're going to preview, at probably two weeks, and maybe a month if you're going to actually do the whole set and have it released uh, around the same release date of the set. Yeah. So, so, Dennis, you've been pretty quiet in this uh, little fest that we're having. What, what's your view on this?
2: I think the bans formatting now were kind of stiff, the three-year ban from his livelihood. But uh, I think it was a regretful decision on his part now that he has time to mull it over for the next three years of not playing any sanctioned events. Or maybe he'll play more moto.
3: Well, Dennis, let me ask you something. You just said his livelihood. The whole reason he got that god book is because he, he works at Lotus Noir, and that's his livelihood. I mean, half of it's still going, right? They can't ban him from his magazine.
1: Uh, Lotus Noir you know? might drop him, though, for uh, killing the trust that they have with Wizards of the Coast.
3: Well, that's a good point. I mean, it's a regretful decision all the way around, but what we're mad about, I think, is the fact that he was going around, you know, using it to playtest, which was against the NDA he signed in the first place. So I don't feel as bad for him as you do, Dennis.
0: No, he's lucky he's not getting sued.
3: Well, we don't know that yet.
2: Also, I don't think it's a a big deal. Like, Wizards didn't really lose anything from this. It was pretty much assumed that some people get certain perks, you know, whether they be pros or, you know, whether they work for Magic um, it's just something that, you know, it's normal. People no, have what? access to information that majority
0: of people don't. Yeah, no, that, that's true, that's a good point. But I think what's going to save their butt on not losing out here is the fact that the set looks so damn good.
1: Oh, it's fantastic, and it's got stuff for everybody.
0: Yeah, mental I mis- mean, yeah. this was just causing a rage
2: on all the forums...
3: Yeah, mental mess step. Uh, I've, I've said over and over again, I think that's my favorite card on the set. Right. It's and, right and you say the Beast destruction token.
0: I was going to say, and you say that Wizards, uh, Wizards aren't losing out on, on this release. Um, and and I, guess, I guess they're probably not on the terms of the cards, but they are in terms of goodwill amongst the community on the back of this uh, reveal of, of, of how this information got into
1: the public domain. Yeah, we are not the only three people in the world who are upset about this. Well,
3: wait, 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 wait. I think it's absolutely crazy to say that Wizards isn't losing out. No offense, Dennis, but the, I'm sure they have deals in place with a bunch of publishers around the world to do spoilers only for them that these companies might pay a small penny for. They also have uh, you know events that they might show one or two cards at that were planned months and months and months ahead. We have no idea what money they're losing from this. None.
2: Yeah, well, that could be true, but I meant from, like, a sales standpoint, you don't really lose anything, except, you know, like, you know, it's going to be spoiled by Salvation anyway.
0: Yeah, I just just thought, actually, um, Wizards will probably have an agreement with the magazine publisher rather than the individual. So if Wizards did want to go after someone for loss of revenue, it would probably be the publisher rather than the individual writer that spoiled the cards.
1: Uh, this is probably also true. And uh, one thing you've got to also consider is that when the set is spoiled slowly, um, distributors such as Star City Games, they can set whatever price they want on the cards as they come out. Like Karn, for example. They started him off at a $50 presale, and people bought him. But then, like, five days later, the entire set was spoiled, and Karn start, uh, stopped being presold for $50 because... Um, in regards to the rest of the set, he's not a $50 card. Whereas that would have happened naturally. They just lost out on, who knows, a week to two weeks of selling cards for 50 bucks.
2: Yeah, and the secondary market does take a hit for price setting.
3: Yeah, I think this is an interesting case study because this is the first time we've heard about a leak and we know pretty much all the details about it. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how... Um, See how these next few months turn out. I have to admit, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm absolutely anticipating legal action from Watsi. That's—I work at a game company, and they have NDAs for a reason.
1: Um, I'm also interested to see that if since this set is spoiled, it's out there. Will they will they push the beta uh, faster since they don't have to worry about spoiling the set and get a closer be- get a closer online release to the paper release?
0: That would be brilliant. I mean it is an opportunity.
1: I'm not hopeful for
2: online anything. We're still so many bugs with highly played cards. <coughs> especially in terms of legacy. Like um show and tell is still bugged. Um replenish in the way everything stacks in and comes into play is bugged. Um
1: Yeah, but these are these are single cards that have been bumped from Months, if not years um they they have the opportunity here to gain back a little bit of their goodwill with the community by pushing the online release faster,
3: yeah, I don't know I mean we'll, we'll, we'll maybe, but I'm not hopeful we'll see what happens with it. I don't see them uh changing their whole structure and how they're going to release sets because a couple of guys leaked it, you know what I mean
0: well, I think, I think their previous track record has shown that they take the leaking of, uh, of material very seriously. I mean, there was the huge fallout with um, Salvation um, about a year and a half ago now, and, and they threatened legal action there. So there's obviously big bucks involved, and like you say, I wouldn't be surprised if we not heard the end of this.
3: Yeah. Anyway, um, I, th- I think that's probably going to wrap us up for today.
0: There's just one more thing, I guess. Um, the, the nominations for the Classic Community Cup will have finished by the time this podcast goes live, um, but it will be interesting to see if anyone from the, the Classic um, tournament scene can, can break into the Community Cup and uh, fly the flag for the community and, and hopefully use it as leverage to... Uh, to, to kind of lobby for the Power Nine online. So it'll be interesting to see who, who makes it onto that team. Um, I nominated for uh, for Wifi, and uh, I, I hope that he is, uh, is an ambassador for, for, for Classic going forward into that event.
3: Definitely, yeah. I, I, uh, I did the same. I threw out my uh, two cents there for George Wificus Pinguinicus, and uh, we'll see what happens. I hope you make it, Georgie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate it, guys. It would be It would be great, and... Um, one of the things I've said on the classic quarter and to other people is that I kind of feel like some of the past Community Cup, um, the stuff that we got to see at home was a little lacking. And if if it were me, I would definitely like bring a camera with me or something and try to get more. Documentation of what happens. Well, George, don't put yourself out of the running yet, because part of going there is signing an NDA and making sure you won't take pictures of certain stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely not! But I can get uh, better coverage, I think, of the actual gameplay and who's there. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm not trying to take pictures of you know M12 or or Innistrad. I'm just trying to show the community what's going on there.
0: The M12 good god book is spoiled by a penguin with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, thanks for jo- yeah, well, um, thanks to Dennis for joining us. Thanks for puremtgo.com for uh, hosting us and mtgotraders.com for sponsoring us. Um, and thanks to the Classic Community for firing an event. Uh, see you in seven. See you guys. Let's fire more.